we come to the end of the church's liturgical year with next Sunday being that of Christ the King. And as always, the church, as we approach the end of the year, reminds us also of the end of our life, the end of the world. And she does this through the readings. We need, all of us, to keep these things constantly in mind, what the Lord Jesus has told us. Namely, that he will come again as judge of the living and the dead. In the second reading that we heard from the letter to the Hebrews, St. Paul tells us, all the priests stand at their duties every day, offering over and over again the same sacrifices which are quite incapable of taking sins away. He was referring to the Jewish priesthood, the one founded on Aaron. In this priesthood with its sacrifices, there were very clear laws about the offering of sacrifices. But these sacrifices were only the shadow of what was to come. Now, what is a shadow? A shadow only shows the outline of a thing, and there's a light behind it. But when the light is fully come, the shadow disappears. And this is what the Apostle is telling us, that the true light has come and that all the shadows have disappeared. And he says this in the same letter to the Hebrews, where, quoting the Apostle, the Lord Jesus says, Sacrifice and oblation you did not want, yet, O God, I have come to do your will. And in these words, he puts away the sacrifices of the old law because one, they were not pleasing to God, and secondly, they could not forgive sin. But nonetheless, they were a shadow. Now, what were the kinds of sacrifices offered? Essentially, there were two kinds. The first was the continual sacrifice. And this was the lamb that was offered twice a day, in the morning, the morning offering, and in the evening, the evening offering. The morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. It consisted of a lamb. And these were offered day after day. First of all, it was not the same lamb, was it, that was offered? It was a different lamb every time, okay? The second sacrifice was the sacrifice of Yom Kippur. That was once a year. The high priest went into the sacrifice 
with the, bull, with the blood of the bull and the lamb and he would sprinkle the mercy seat once a year and this was a sacrifice that reminds us of the forgiveness of sin but neither of them could forgive sin because again the letters to the Hebrews it is impossible that the blood of animals can forgive human sin nonetheless they were shadows and they represented Christ who would come with what do we read what do we hear in the second reading I'll read it to remind you Christ on the other hand has offered one single sacrifice for sins by virtue of that one single offering he has achieved the eternal perfection of all whom he is sanctifying so Christ is the true lamb he has offered himself as the supreme sacrifice he by that supreme sacrifice entered into heaven once not taking the blood of animals but his own blood presenting it to God as appropriation as the means by which our sins could be forgiven so as the high priest went once into the sanct into the Holy of Holies Christ enters once into the eternal Holy of Holies as the lamb was offered twice a day so Christ offered himself for all sins past as well as future that's why we're told by virtue of this one single offering he has achieved the eternal perfection of all not some all whom he is sanctifying so how is he sanctifying are we being sanctified how do you know you're being sanctified are we being sanctified how do you know what is sanctifying essentially our sanctification consists in our being totally committed to God so that we are truly temples of the Holy Spirit the Lord is not interested in what we say he's interested in what we do by their deeds you will know them now let us see how this sanctification is going to take place we heard in the first reading of those who of those lying asleep in the dust of the earth many will awake some to everlasting life some to shame and everlasting disgrace the learned will shine as brightly as the vault of heaven notice the reward for those who are learned in the scriptures they will shine as brightly 
as the vault of heaven. And those who have instructed many in virtue, notice the importance of a teacher, those who have instructed many in virtue as bright as stars for all eternity. How are we being sanctified? Well, we heard in the gospel, at the, end of the, at the end of time, when the Son of Man comes, he's going to send the angels to collect his chosen ones to him, wherever they are on the earth. How will he recognize those who are chosen? If we ask a question, the most important question we can ask, and this was asked by the rich young man who came to our Lord, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? That is the most important question that you can ask. Because the answer to it will determine whether you rise to everlasting life or to everlasting shame and disgrace. The Lord responded, keep the commandments. The man said, which? The Lord named some of them. The man said, I have kept all of them from my earliest days. What more do I need? Notice that he recognized there was something missing in him. Although he kept the commandments, he recognized that he was not fit for eternal life. Otherwise, he'd have said, well, I've kept them, I'm saved. But no, he says, I've kept them. What more do I need? We know whether we are on the way to salvation or not. We know it. So, let us see what else, what more he needed. There are, well, first of all, our Lord gave us the commandments. The commandments are a sign of our love for him. If you love me, you will keep the commandments. If you love me. The first commandment, the first law given to us is the natural law. That was the first. It was given to Adam in the garden. And Adam knew the natural law. He knew what was right and must be done. He knew what was wrong and to be avoided. And so it was easy for him to live according to his nature. He didn't have any temptation to steal, to lie. He had no temptation to kill or to commit adultery. None of that. There was one commandment given to him and that was that he was to be obedient and not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if he ate it, he would die. That was the only commandment given him. He disobeyed. 
he ate. And immediately, he recognized what he had done. What did he do? He lost faith. He no longer believed God. He stole. He took what was not his. He lied. He told God, the woman gave it to me. And all the other evils that surround us appeared. What happened next? St. Paul tells us in letters to Romans what happened next. He said, St. Paul, I notice in myself a law in my mind, a law that tells me what is good to do. I recognize it. But I also recognize in my flesh another law, a law of concupiscence, so that what is wrong the things that are wrong are actually the things that I do. And so there are two laws now fighting. He says, the good that I want to do, I cannot do. The evil I want to, to, to avoid, that's the very thing I do. Who will save me from this struggle? So there are two laws now governing us. Which one has the victory in us. So this is the state of the human race from Adam. God decided to give us another law, another commandment. And he did this on Sinai. It's called the Ten Commandments. Now, the Ten Commandments are contained in the natural law. We don't really need God to come and tell us it's wrong to steal, do we? We know it. We don't need God to come and tell us not to bear false witness. We know it. And so with all of the Ten Commandments, we know them without God having to tell us. But nonetheless, God did tell us to make it easier for us. It's called the written law. It's there in writing, written on stone. The problem is though, it is the law for slaves. It's a law given to slaves. When the people left Egypt, they were slaves in Egypt. When they were led out, they were led to freedom. When they arrived at Sinai, they were free. When Moses went up to the mountain to get the written law, what did they do? They turned and started to worship the golden calf. And so they enslaved themselves once more. And it is at that point that God gave the law of sacrifice. That was the point. God didn't intend to give us laws dealing in sacrifice. But because the people were unfaithful, because they proved themselves to be slaves, he gave them the sacrifices and the law for slaves. How do we know it was for slaves? Because, well, if you tell a slave to do something, 
and he, she doesn't do it, what do you do? You punish. And when we read the Ten Commandments, what do we notice? There is always the threat of punishment. If you break the Sabbath, stoned to death. You commit adultery, stoned to death. All of the commandments, there was a punishment. And so it was a law for slaves. It meant that those who kept the law were not punished. Those who kept the law were not rewarded. Why? Because we are unprofitable servants, we've only done our duty. And that's why there are no eternal rewards given for keeping the law. The law could only promise, in the future, temporal benefits. A long life, peace in the land, children. That's all it could promise, but only for those who kept it. It could not look beyond that. And even those who didn't keep it still had long life. In fact, people who are wicked, who seem to be wicked, who do not respect God, seem to live longer than those who do. Well, we know why. Because God takes the good to himself so that they are not warped by the wickedness of the others. Also, God gives them a long life to give them a chance to repent. So, the law then, the Ten Commandments, is essentially a law for slaves. Let us go further still. God then gave us a fourth law, fourth commandments. And that is the law of the gospel, the law of grace. And what does this say? It promises us, first of all, eternal rewards. It promises us heaven. It makes us children of God. It promises us the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the equality of angels and so on. But it is a law of freedom because the old law tells us if somebody strikes you eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Doesn't that what it say? Equal retaliation, punishment. But the new law says if someone strikes you, turn the other cheek. If somebody robs you, let them have it and give them more. If somebody compels you, obey and do it freely. It's a law of grace. He tells us that we are free. Imagine, think about it. Somebody strikes you and you hit back. You are not free. You are reacting. You are behaving the same way that the slave who struck you did. Think of our Lord. In the court of Caiaphas, he was struck by a slave. Is that the way to speak to the high priest? The Lord said, if I have said something wrong, point it out. If not, why do you strike me? He turned the other cheek. 
But when somebody strikes you and you turn the other cheek, you are choosing to behave like a Christian. And therefore you are free. You are choosing. And the reward will come with it. Now, when we have reached that level, when we can treat another, we can treat others as we would like to be treated, we've arrived at the point where Christ is sanctifying us. That's the point. That's when we know when Christ is sanctifying us, when we can start behaving like he does. And then what? What is the promise? We will shine as brightly as the vault of heaven. We will be the brightest stars for all eternity. That's the reward promised us. So then, let us recap. Sacrifices cannot forgive sin. That is, the Jewish sacrifices. Christ, however, has offered the supreme sacrifice by which our sins are forgiven. He is sitting at the right hand of God and he is sanctifying all of us. He is doing this through the commandments. The commandments are really what we need to observe. When we talk about eternal life, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Three things are necessary. The first is what we must believe, and all of that is contained in the creed. The second is what we must hope for, what we must want, that is contained in the Our Father. And thirdly, what we must do. And that, and those things are the commandments. And we can look upon it as a house. Faith is the foundation, the flooring. That is what we must believe. Because what we believe is what is the way, the things that we believe are the things that are going to, to, to form our behavior. The walls are the hope, what we hope for, the things God will give us. And the roof, a charity, the commandments. It protects us from, these, from the attacks of the, of the devil. Let us then ask that we might live in the house of sanctification. And that the Lord, when he comes, will find us full of his sanctifying spirit and reward us with eternal life. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.